0: Revelation 9 and verse number 13. The Bible said, and the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand. And I heard the number of them, Thus I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth, and, and brimstone and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions and out of their mouth issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three were the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which is issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were likened to serpents and had heads and with them they do hurt The rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repenteth not of the works of their their hands and that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders nor of their sorceries nor of their fornication nor of their thefts. Father, I pray this morning in Jesus' name. God, we need liberty this morning. We need your touch. I pray Spirit of God, that you would fill us once again. I ask you, Lord, this morning to help us to say only what you would have us to say. God, I pray that you would bind the devil as we reminded of that verse. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Thank you for the good choir singing, for the testimonies, the rejoicing, and for the preaching or for the singing that we've already heard. But I pray that you'll bless the preaching of thy word now this morning. I pray that you'll deal with every heart, convict the lost, and I pray that they'd see their need of salvation this morning. We that are saved, God, open our eyes to those that are lost, and may our vision of souls be greater than it's ever been before. And for what, Father, for what you do this morning, we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it all, for we do love you, and we ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach a few moments this morning on the sixth trumpet. I really don't have a title other than to say that the text that we have read this morning is the sixth trumpet that has been sounded. And when you think about this in verse number 13 and 14, there's an announcement. The Bible said that the six angels sounded and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, when you think about this announcement that is being made here, there's four angels that's going to come out of this great river Euphrates. And so the announcement is being made. God is opening another prison house of demons that's about to come out as we mentioned last Sunday we're living in a time when people are fascinated with demons they're fascinated with all types of the dead Uh, they make movies and comic books and and video games and all kinds of things uh, uh, talking about demons and the end of time and horror things Uh, man is intrigued by those things and one of these days God is going to remove the Holy Spirit when the church is taken out and my friend when we are. gone and that restrainer is taken off of this world. Pandemonium and fear and all kinds of wickedness and sorcery and demonology is going to be broke out all over this world and God is going to give this world what they've always wanted and it's a world where there is no witness and a world where there is no God. A world, my friend, where man can do whatever he wants to do and live as he pleases but he's going to find out very swiftly in that tribulation period that the of a world with no restraint upon it, my friend, will be devastating to all of creation, both within and without. And so there is this announcement. And then there's the angels. Verse number 15 says, and the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. When you think about these angels here, it's possible that these four angels could very well be the same four angels that we read about in Daniel chapter number 10. My friend, you think about those four great powers, uh, uh, those world powers. When we think about the Babylonian Empire, we think about the Grecian, the Medo-Persian, and the Roman Empire. All of those empires uh, had an evil force that was working behind them that we know that stood against the very uh, prayers of Daniel himself. It's very possible that the same four angels that are coming out of this river here, the river Euphrates that are unlocked, uh, unleashed upon this world could be the same four angels uh, uh, that led those kingdoms uh, to rule the world. Also, we see about these angels here that they're gonna have power and they're gonna lead for 13 months in a day. The Bible says in verse number 15 uh, for that they were prepared for an hour, a day, a month, a year for to slay the third part of men. When you think about that little phrase, the third part, this is the 13th time that we find that phrase, the third part. Part. up until this point during those seals uh, and during these trumpets uh, everything has been affected by the third part. The sun the stars, uh, the fish in the sea, the waters of the ocean when you think about the ships the grass, the trees, uh, all has been affected by this third part. The Bible talks about those seals uh, and these trumpets uh, have affected the third part of those things but here in our text uh, it's not the fish and it's not the sea and it's it's not the waters and it's not the grass and it's not the trees, but it is the third part of man that's being affected by these demons that are coming out of the great river Euphrates. You see, that's why I believe that these things that were before this, they were not symbols. They were not some just typology, but they were actual literal things because now the third part of man is being affected by the angels or the demonic. Angels, uh, that's coming out of this river here. And so there's the announcement, there is the angels. But then notice in verse number six, 16, there is the army. As he said, and the number of the army of horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sit on them, having breastplates of fire, and of jason and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of light and out of their mouth issued fire and smoke and brimstone. Now think about this army. This is an army, my friend, of 200 million that's following these four angels out of the very bowels and the prison of hell. They're coming forth upon this country or upon this world. I'm talking about like roaches walking a pulse across this earth and scattered. An army of 200 million to the four corners of this earth are being sent out. I mean, listen and my mind cannot even comprehend and perceive what the scripture is saying concerning these demonic beings that's gonna be turned loose upon this earth, amen. Now if you think tonight or this morning you're lost and if you think this morning that you're going to be able to escape the tribulation, friends, you're fooling yourself. If you're lost this morning, you need to get in while you can because of the trumpet sounds, it's too late, amen. You're not gonna be saved during the tribulation period now this this passage must not be mistaken with the battle of Armageddon we know that in Revelation chapter number 11 I think it is or chapter 16 in verse 11 and 12 we know that there's a reference to the battle of Armageddon we know that in Revelation 19 we'll see that take place Uh, but I want to tell you many times uh, uh, this passage of scripture uh, can uh, uh, can be tied in or mistaken by the battle of Armageddon but it is not that battle this refers to Ezekiel chapter 37 and Verse number 30, or chapter 38, and verse number 39. It is my friend where Russia comes down and invades Israel because the kings of the east in the battle of Armageddon, the great river Euphrates will be dried up, and that river is the dividing line between the east and the west in that Middle Eastern uh, region there. And in the battle of Armageddon, when that angel comes down and dries up that river, the kings of the east are going to come across uh, and they're going to join with the Antichrist uh, and get ready to do battle against the very son of God. But in this text here this morning, there is no reference to the kings of the east. Uh, This, my friend, will reference Ezekiel chapter number 38. So when you think about this army, there's gonna be battles that's gonna be fought uh, in the middle and throughout the end and even after the tribulation period is over with. What a time this world is gonna be in for. When you think about this army, When you think about these angels, when you think about this announcement, when you think about their agenda, look at verse 18 and 19. By these three were the third part of men killed by fire and by smoke and by brimstone, which issued out of their mouth. For their powers is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents, and they had heads, which were, and with them they do hurt. I would like to take time this morning and deal with, with their tails and their heads and, and the representation of the, their, their own uh, uh, breastplates of brimstone and fire and jacinth, and what these represent. They all represent judgment. Let me just say that because I'm headed somewhere else this morning. These, are what's coming out of their mouth, the fire, the brimstone, it it's a representation of God's judgment that's gonna be upon this earth and these uh, demonic beings are gonna torment man. Remember, they've already been tormented for five months uh, by those uh, those locust demonic beings that came out that had the sting of a scorpion but now there's another prison house that's been unlocked. Friend, That's in reference to Jude in verse number six uh, and first Peter chapter two that there are angels uh, that even right now as we speak they are reserved in chains of dark unto the judgment of the great day. And these demonic beings uh, are gonna be unleashed upon this world. Uh, no doubt that are those uh, that have been cast out of heaven. When Lucifer fell, uh, my friend, and was cast out. The Bible talks about those angels that followed him were cast out. And obviously they did something so wicked, something so terrible, that some of them were reserved in chains of darkness unto the judgment of the great and terrible day. They're gonna be loosed. You know, I am saved this morning, but that brings fear to my soul. Even though I'm saved, it shudders me. It shatters my very frame to think of what man is gonna face during the tribulation period. But I see not only their agenda to torment the third part of men, but this is really what I wanna preach on a few moments this morning. There's the astonishment When I read this text last night, I didn't get to study this passage until late last night. And as I began to read through this text and was coming down through here and I saw the announcement, the angels, the army, the agenda. But friend, when I got to verse number 20, immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. There's something, probably one of the most astonishing things that will take place in all of the tribulation period. Period is found in the last two verses of our text this morning. Notice the Bible says, and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, notice this, yet repented not of the works of their hands. Look at verse 21. Neither repented they. Well, I'll tell you what astonishes me more than anything when I come to this text is when you see that these men that are living in verse 20 and 21, they have made it through the seals, they have made it through five of the trumpets. I know that those things are are not in chronological order. I know that that some of these things uh, uh, will take place at different times, but when you think about just what all that we have read, what all have been said, what all they have seen, where that they are standing at this very moment, Uh, The whole world has been affected by the judgment of God from the vegetation to the waters, to the fish in the sea, to the ships of the ocean. This world has been turned inside out. Demonic creatures on every hand. An army of men, of demons that have trotted this earth uh, and that have tormented men. And in spite of everything, they've not repented. Is that not shocking to you this morning that these people are so hard that they are so bent on going their own way that they are so stiff necked that they no matter what God has done they have tried they have prayed for death to come and death has fleed from them but the one thing that they have not done they have not repented of their sinful lifestyle they have not repented of their sinful days I would say this morning brother Barnes could it be that we are on the threshold of seeing even right now what is going to take place in verse 20 and 21 we're seeing it happen in our day and time I mentioned did a few Sundays ago from time to time I have said this, uh, even just uh, as recently as up to a few years ago, uh, there was a time when you could preach your heart out you could preach on hell, you could preach on death, you could preach on judgment and if sinners were in your midst uh, I'm talking about up to about five years ago, they would raise their hand and at least acknowledge that they were lost, uh, that they needed prayer and they needed to be saved, but can I tell you friend, we're living in a day and time now that listen, all across this country, you can preach uh, and now it's hard to get people to even raise their hand and admit that they are lost my daughter sent me a, a picture of something or sent it actually to my wife and she showed it to me Disney is either coming out or just coming out with um, I don't know it's a Disney movie or, 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 or weekly show for children that uh, I can't remember the title of what it is called but the, the, the essence of what it is is that one of the songs that they were singing in this, this video, the this story told about the article was that they called themselves The Lost Ones. It's not the title of the movie but that's one of the theme songs that they're the lost ones, the lost boys, the lost girls. And it's nothing but pure wickedness. It is nothing but vile. The, the, the very image of the front of that, of that advertisement showed uh, teenage boys and girls that were not dressed properly and dressed like hookers and, and they were dressed like prostitutes. And that's what they're feeding into the minds of this younger generation. That's what they're watching at a young age. That's what they begin watching as entertainment at the age of, of three and four and five and six and, and so forth and so on. So I think you can understand by the time that they become a late teen or an early uh, young, or they become a young adult, their mind has been so infiltrated uh, by songs and by movies and by magazines and by video games and by, by the very images that we see in life that, that teaches them, you're a lost boy, you're a lost girl. That's a good thing. The whole premise of the movie was nothing good. It was to to see how bad that you could be. That One of the songs uh, illustrated that being bad is good. That it's okay to be bad. That's what they're pumping into the minds uh, of young people. Somebody said, why do you have a Christian school? That's one very good reason as to why we have a Christian school. Doesn't matter to me what nobody says or thinks about it. I'm telling you, friend, we're living in a time when our public school system And I understand there are people here that you cannot afford a Christian school. You don't have the time to homeschool. I'm not beating up on anyone. I believe the grace of God will help if there's no other open door. But what I'm saying is it's a tragedy what is being said and what is being taught in our public school systems today. And I went to public school. And I want to tell you, it is terrible what's happened to this country. So, brother, gravity. Why'd you say all that? Because I want to make this one point. Do you understand why people don't repent now? I mean, when from a child, when even lost people taught their children character, responsibility, decency. When they taught them chastisement. Can I just stop and make a statement here? If you don't whip your children, you mark my word down what I'm saying. This isn't an off the cuff statement. This is a statement taken from the Bible. It is also a statement of observation of 21 years pastoring this church. If you don't whip your children, I promise you, I'm not not giving you a hypothetical. I'm not telling you there's a maybe or there's a possibility. I am firmly promising you, if you spare that rod, if you don't whip your children, if you coddle your children, if you tell them every, if you make excuse for your children, I promise you this morning, mark my word, you will lose your children. Don't come to me after service and tell me something foolish as to say they never did anything worthy of a whipping. That is an insult to my intelligence and I'm not intelligent, but that's an insult. Surely you are not that dumb this morning. Do not whip your children, do not chastise them the way the Bible says. I'm not talking about timeout. Somebody say Amen. I'm not talking about uh, I'm not talking about whatever Dr. Spock or whoever you want to say, Dr. Phil or anybody, I don't care what them people say. And I don't want it taken off C D, not that he would anyway. But people need to hear this, don't they? It's not what the Bible said, if thou beatest him with rod, he shall not die, but you'll deliver his soul from hell. Amen. To not chasten your children. You know what that means? You know what you're saying to your children, you don't whip them. You're teaching them. Just, you're teaching them to, to not whip them let me put it this way to not whip them when they do wrong is the same way for God not to chasten you when you do wrong and to think that little Johnny or little Susie is so perfect or so good that they never do anything worthy of a of a tail whipping is to say that you can live your Christian life in such a way that God would never have to chastise you that's not possible God corrects us Correction is when he says, now don't do that. Listen, here's what I told you not to do this, and here is what, here's what my word, this is what I say. But if we don't follow that correction, then it's followed with what? Chastisement. Right. Hear how quiet it is. As quiet as it is in a Methodist church right now. Because listen, it isn't the problem today. You say, preacher, why are you why what does that have to do with Revelation 9? I'm gonna tell you what it has to do with it. I've watched young people. The ones that get whipped get broken. The ones that get broken get saved. And I know there's exceptions to that, but I'm telling you that's the rule. That's not. But I'm going to tell you the ones that never get whipped, they never get broken, and they never get saved. You tell your listen. You give an ear to your children when they do wrong. You say, "Well, it could be." You defend them, you'll lose them. My mom and dad were lost. They didn't defend me. I lived under the rule of thumb, Brother Laddie. Every child in my day and time, you were guilty until proven innocent in a court of law. (laughs) And it was mom and dad. They were the judge, the jury, and everything. I thank God for that. Can I just be honest with you? I'm glad I didn't grow up in this warped day and time when parents discussed with their children. No, we we got the devil beat out of us. And I still believe that this morning. And it works. It's worked for years and years and years. It's not until this millennial generation came along that they started buying it. Listen, throw your books away. Get rid of your books and get your Bible out. Go to the book of Proverbs. Open it up and read what God says. He tells you where to whip that child. He tells you the temperament to whip that child in. He tells you why to whip that child. He tells you the outcome of whipping that child. And it's a whipping all the spanking. Somebody say amen. I mean, you ought to whip them until they do a rain dance. Somebody say Amen. Isn't that right? I mean whip them till the smoke alarms go off. Whip them in the right place. Don't beat a child. I'm not talking about bruising a child. That's why there's extra padding on that backside. Amen. It's so you can fire their tail up when they don't do right and they'll get their attention because I'm gonna tell you the same principle is true. You go out here and do something against the word of God. He may be merciful and correct you the first time, but you go back and do it again. God's not gonna sit down and have a discussion with you. He's not gonna defend your case. He's not gonna ask you 10 reasons why you did what you did. No, he gave you the warning and now comes the whipping, amen. You give them a warning, one warning, you give them a whipping. And they learn a Bible principle. They learn there is chastisement. They learn that there is the law of sowing and reaping. They learn that there is judgment, that there is a price to be paid when you don't listen. You take that away from them and I'm going to tell you, you took away three of the greatest principles in all the Word of God. And I promise you they will go to hell without God. I could tell you today people who have wept and wept over the loss of their children. You might be here and say, Preacher, I whip my kids and they're not serving God. They're not even saved. That's true. It happens. But I promise you this. There's a condemnation in their heart that you have a principle of condemnation when they do wrong that they know that they're not where they need to be at. And the very fact that they know that gives hope that they know which direction. They are, we are dealing with a lost generation. They are the lost boys. They are the lost girls. You know why? Because they've been misled into this higher psychology and education. Preachers are afraid to even mention it anymore for fear that some parent is gonna get sideways and upset because they have fed into this line. I'm telling you, friend, listen, all you gotta do is open the Bible. I'm not preaching something to you that's not in Proverbs. It's loaded with it. Just start in chapter one and go to the last chapter, you'll see it over and over and over again. It's not something that's a figment of our imagination, but it raises a generation that feels like they do not need to repent. They've always got a scapegoat. They're always looking for a way out. Mom and dad has always handed them an excuse. So therefore, when God deals with them, they see nothing wrong with what they've done. They don't repent. I told my dad one day, I said, Daddy, you... You know how God worked this out for us. I said, you wore me out when I was a boy. And uh, even though I wasn't saved, I feared my parents. Even though they weren't saved. And I said, you wore me out. You broke my will. So I whip them, this. You just got to keep on. You got to be consistent. You know, I never thought in Revelation 9 I'd be preaching on Whipping your children, but the Holy Spirit knows. You don't tell them ten times. Now I told you not to. I told you not. no, no, no. One morning, one. They'll get the picture after you fire them up enough. One time—that's all you get, is one. Amen. He jumped when I said that. <laughs> but you know what? Just one. One morning, and then you pay the consequence. You know what? Life's a whole lot easier when you live by that principle. Amen. My mom and dad never took Prozac. That's right. They didn't give me a pill neither. They gave me a paddling. Paddling takes away the pills. Y'all still with me this morning, right? All right. It's just eleven it's just eleven o'clock in Alabama right now. And you know what happened? I told him, I said, Dad, you with me and you were lost. You didn't know what you were doing, but I said, you broke my will. And when the Holy Spirit came to where I was, and he said, you're lost. I didn't bow up and say, oh, I'm okay. I didn't bow up and look for an excuse. When that man of God preached and condemnation came to my soul because my parents had whipped me and I knew I was taught respect authority. Authority is always right. It's always right because it's your authority. The Bible didn't say children obey your parents in the Lord as long as they're doing right. He just said obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. I said, Dad, because you whipped me, you broke my will when the Holy Ghost came to where I was. And he said, you're lost. Repentance has been put in my life. My parents never gave me a way out. I told you last Sunday, I got some weapons too, not many, but maybe a couple when I was innocent. They didn't even apologize. I said, they found out later I was innocent. and Daddy said, well, you know, you did a lot of things you should have got whipped for anyway. Yeah. Now, if they'd have been Christians, they'd say, said, well, we didn't know that, but God knew it, and all things work together for good, so thank God you got a whip. It. <laughs> and never one time Act like it. I remember one time, I tried my best to make mom. I got so mad I said, "You know what? I'm not going to talk to her till she breaks." <laughs> Brother, they don't break. <laughs> I went three days and didn't talk to her. I thought, "Boy, she's miserable. She's got to be so miserable." What I didn't know, she's having time of her life. That's <laughs> three days, I wasn't driving her crazy. Finally, I broke. And I said something that we Baptists don't do. We don't say a lot. I went in there to her and I said, Mama, I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. And I'm sorry for not talking to you. See, I didn't know that's what was going to keep me out of hell one day. She hugged me and loved me and we cried. And the relationship was better. But I tell you, during them three days, if I'd have done something wrong, even though I hadn't talked to her, you know what she'd have done. She would have took it. My mom liked to use a hickory. That was her tool. My dad, he, he, wore, he wore his around his waist. Yes, sir. He'd grab that belt. And I mean, it sounded like a machine gun going off, you know. <laughs> they repented not. That's the generation that's going to be in that tribulation period. It's a generation that never got a whipping. It's a generation who their moms and dads read all these psychological books and said, well, this sounds good. I want every gray-haired saint that can stand. Would you stand this morning? If you would, for just a moment. Come on. If you're not able, I understand. But if you can stand, would you stand? I, I shouldn't have said gray-haired. Senior citizen. Come on. Look around here this morning. If you, if you never got a whipping as a child, you can be seated. Your parents whipped you, didn't they? How many of y'all would say amen this morning that you're thankful you had parents that whipped you? You can be seated this morning. There's a difference in that generation and the millennials today. You know what it is? They know how to repent. I'm not saying that we don't have young people and young couples here. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just making the point. I believe we've got cream of the crop young families that you whip your children. You believe that's right this morning, but there could be somebody here. You say, well, I just don't see the big deal. I sure didn't know I was going to preach on that this morning, but God knows school's starting back, so it's a great time to preach on it anyway. Amen? I'm just talking about, hey, they never said they were sorry. They didn't repent. Look at their deeds this morning. I, the Bible said it talks about their suffering. The rest of these men that were not killed by these plagues, they were affected but not killed. We see their suffering, we see their stubbornness. They repented not, works of their hand. They never said they were sorry. You know, that's in our churches today. When's the last time you said you were sorry? You know, two words, those two words can bring revival. I'm sorry. I'm sorry in verse number 20 they never repented Godward they never repented to God in verse 21 they never repented toward man those sins in verse 21 are toward man murder and theft and fornication they never said they were sorry to man they never said they were sorry to God if you never say you're sorry to God you never will say you're sorry to man but I'll tell you they would not repent they are a generation that was always uh, coddled always pampered always pitied always told that what they were did was okay never had to live by the rule they made the rules they're not the society that we're living in live by your own rules do what you want to do that's not Bible friend this morning that'll lead your soul down to a life of destruction it'll destroy your home it'll destroy your family no man lives to himself and no man dies to himself we're accountable this morning we're responsible I want to say this morning to every one of us uh, even though there's some of you here and you say well preacher I'm saved that's wonderful when's the last time we repented Well, don't we need revival today? Revival comes through repentance. I don't know that we have anybody here like this this morning, the same as as it is with the parents that I just got through preaching to. But it's all good preaching. It doesn't matter. It needs to be said. I need to hear those things. I don't even have children at home anymore. And I need to be reminded of those things because it's true. It's right. And the same is, is even with this, with parents or with church members today. As church members, we need to learn to say we're sorry. there's people left the church and revival break out. All because they refuse to say they're sorry. There's people, I even thought about this the other day. I don't even know the last time, Brother Laddie, I sat down with a married couple and I've talked to a lot of them in the last 10 years. but I don't know the last time I've sat down with them and had two of them look at each other without me prodding or pushing or trying to say anything look at each other and break down and go crying and say I'm sorry I'm sorry do you know this morning saying you're sorry can fix a whole lot of things you get mad at somebody over here somebody over here oh you don't you don't say anything but you got something in your heart and you go to church Sunday after Sunday and you sing and you, you go through the motions and, and you've swept, it's been so long, you've swept that under the rug that you've let it go, that, that you think it's okay, but God remembers it. And you're not going any further. That stubbornness of, well, it's gonna be my way or I'm right, I'm, I'm right. I wanna tell you something, you can't be right 100% of the time. Somebody say amen. Amen. Well, Danny was teaching this morning, got to talk about husbands and wives and I thought, well, I mean, I have to say amen to everything you said. I mean, listen, I, I've heard men say me and my wife's never fussed or fought, but I just don't believe that. Unless they just got married last week. You know that's right. You say, preacher, has you have you and your wife ever fussed or fought? I plead the fifth. Amen. You can be right or be happy. You can choose which way you want to be. High price to pay to be right sometimes. But I want to tell you something. I don't want to be mad at my wife. I don't want her to be mad at me. I don't want to be mad at a church member. Can I get a witness on that? Probably going to preach till 1230 this morning, so hold on. I don't want to sit in church and stew on something that I'm going to be ashamed for at the judgment seat. I don't want to see somebody at the back door. You know why I go to the back door? I want to shake everybody's hand when I go to the back door. I want to tell everybody I'm praying for you. Have a good day. But I don't want to miss nobody. That's why we go to the back door. And I tell you another reason. If somebody gets mad at me and they don't want to shake my hand, I want to go to the back door, so they've got to walk all the way through there and all the way down the steps and go out that way. I don't want nobody to leave and say, Well, preacher didn't shake my hand. Well, you know where I'm standing. But it amazing how people get something against somebody and they'll say, well, you know, I'm just, that's the way he wants to be. Well, I'll just, I'll just sit on my side. And Brother Josh can sit on his side. And uh, if Brother Josh is up there at homecoming and he's at the dessert table, I'll go to the food table. When he's done at the dessert table, then I'll make my way over to the dessert table. Now we don't talk about them things, but they sure do happen, don't they? Oh, yeah. If Brother Josh gets fired up in a testimony, I'll just pray for him. <laughs> but now if Brother Laddie gets fired up, and I like Brother Laddie, so I'm gonna go to meet my Brother Laddie. Oh, I'm telling you, whew. wouldn't it be easier instead of doing all that avoiding? to just get on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry. And then if you have to, if you don't know about it, don't tell him. Isn't that right? Why go tell somebody something they don't, already know, they don't know and put something in their mind? Just get right with God. But now if Brother Josh knew that I had problems with him, then I need to go to you and say, hey, brother, I'm sorry. It don't matter and it, and it wasn't your fault. Say, so what if it was his fault? It don't matter. And I'm sorry because I've avoided you, I've not been friendly to you, I've not talked to you and I've mistreated, I've not even prayed for you. See you can't pray for people you avoid, not truthfully. I'm preaching that because we could have revival today. But wouldn't you like to have revival tonight today? If we tell God we're sorry, if we tell our brethren we're sorry. I wonder how many times a church service has been grieved because a husband and wife got in a fight on their way to church, or he slept on the couch and still came to church. She got mad about something he did wrong. Well, he, I mean, is it really worth it? Maybe he broke your favorite dish. You know? Maybe he said something he wasn't supposed to say. Is that really worth stewing over it? Wouldn't it just be easier to say you're sorry? Can't be right 100% of the time. They repented not, and they repented not. I'm telling you, we'll, treat, we'll teach our children. I, I think it's good for them to see us repent, don't you? It's good for them to see us go down to the altar from time to time. It's good for us to, I remember one time we had a revival here. We went through 16 months. It was so dead, so dry in this church. I mean, listen, you. I mean, some of you remember this for 16 months. You may not remember the months, but I sure do. I remember getting up here one Sunday morning fixing to read my text and right in the middle of it, I started reading my text and I looked at all y'all and I said, how many of y'all are tired of this deadness and just about 100% hands went up in the building? I said, let's meet back tomorrow night for revival. I said, I don't know who's coming, who's preaching. I don't know if anybody's gonna preach, but I said, let's meet back tomorrow night. We sure need God. We didn't have revival because we were doing good. We had revival because we were in the ditch. I remember we went home that afternoon and prayed. I said, God, is there any preacher you want to come? We're in terrible shape. We need help. We God, if you don't help us, we're gonna sink. And the Holy Spirit said, Call Bobby Barnes. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit at the time. I just had Bobby Barnes on my heart. I called Brother Barnes. He was up in Stanton, Virginia preaching. I said, Brother Barnes, I said, I probably can't get you. I said, I know you, he preaches every week of his life. I said, I, I know I can't, I said, we, we just, we just really, he wasn't even a member here then. I said, we, we need help. And I said, we're just going to meet back tomorrow night. I don't know if you've even, he said, you know what? He said, I had a cancellation. I ain't got nowhere to be after tonight. He came, that was the second week of November. He came on that Monday night. I got up that Monday morning and the Holy Spirit said, I'll tell you what you're going to do tonight. No preaching tonight. I want you to get a microphone, put it on the altar and I want you to be the first one go down there and stand and confess your sins to the church. And after you've confessed, you know, I was like a good Baptist. I said, Lord, I don't think I got any. (laughs) (laughs) I sure ain't got none I want to tell them about. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit said, no, you're going to do that. I'm going to tell you, that was, that was, that was the most stressful day of my life. Because all day, the devil just, he just kept pounding in my head what are you going to do dummy if you go down there and you confess your sins and you lay that microphone down and go sit down and not one person what if you're the only one see that's how he talks to us what's everybody going to think of you pastor I went to church that night I I didn't even tell Brother Barnes I was so nervous come in that night Confessed my sins, put the microphone down, went back up and sat down, and, and I thought to myself, I thought, Lord, please, let somebody. I know they ain't been living that right. Let somebody. Bernie Spain, I don't know if you remember this, but you was the second person that come down here. I don't even remember what you said. I was so relieved that you came down here that at least it was going to be me and you. <laughs> I don't remember what you said, but you confessed something that night, and for two hours, one by one, people came, we had a confession service. And you know what happened the next night? We had prayer and went home. The next night we came in here, and she broke. Sixteen months, and she broke. And God moved. And we ran that meeting all the way till Thanksgiving Eve. A week and a half or two weeks and a half. I can't remember Brother Barnes preached all the way up. And I probably missed God's will. We probably should have had church Thanksgiving Day. It was so good. And God God pulled us, you know what? He pulled us out because people got willing to repent. I really think, I I really think the reason we're in so much trouble today in our churches people won't say they're sorry. There's stuff behind the scenes. If a, if a husband and wife would just get on an altar and apologize to each other and get the bitterness out, wonder what that'd do for this church. If some church members would go to each other and really mean it and put their arms around it and really bury everything and say you know I've I've been so foolish I'm so sorry it's been all about me I'm going to tell you what the devil does he plants things in our minds he put little seed thoughts in our minds and they ain't no more real than nothing if you think on them things long enough it'll become a reality till you believe it And then it's true. And then you start thinking things you're not even supposed to be thinking. Spiritual people don't think that way. I sure didn't know I was going to preach y'all, but I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to this morning. I believe if we're going to have revival, church, we're going to have to repent. I believe if these young people sitting in these pews, if they're ever going to get saved, and I know some of them are saved, but if they're ever going to get saved and if they're ever going to serve God, they're going to have to get their tails whipped when they do wrong. Don't coddle them, don't make excuse for them, don't, 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 don't try to, you know, just just do like everybody did that generation did. Raise them the way you was raised. Common sense. You can't get above it. Can I get an amen? amen? Common sense. Horse sense. God put that brain in our head for a reason, didn't he? And he gave us that Bible to raise them by. What about it this morning? And all I would say, sinners, please, please. Don't you leave this building not repented. If you're lost this morning, that'd be an awful, awful judgment to face. I really thank the Holy Spirit, though, speaking to the church this morning. I know He could be speaking to the heart of some sinner, but I tell you, He's really talking to us this morning. When's the last time you said you were sorry? When's the last time you repented? When's the last time you told God? When's the last time you told man as we stand this morning? Tell you how to know when you really mean it. When you quit playing the blame game. I'm not going to beg you to come. You don't even have to come this morning. Maybe you don't need to come. But I'll tell you this stubbornness hurts nobody but yourself. Well, that's not true. It does hurt others, but you're the one that loses. Tenderness, submission. If the Holy Spirit deals with you, you, you better respond. You better do something about it this morning. Get it right. Don't be stubborn. Don't say, My will, my way. You'll pay a high price for that, as Brother David sings. Come on, this morning.